Matthew chapter 22, Matthew chapter 22, and we'll begin reading in verse number 1. This is the parable of the marriage of the son, the parable of the marriage of the son, the parable of the marriage of the king's son, and we're here in a string of parables, and in the previous parable, something to note, in the previous parable, we have the parable of the householder and the husbandman. You remember the man bought the vineyard, and uh, he let folks rent it, lease it out. And when it came time to collect his rent, he sent a servant to collect his rent and collect what was rightfully his from the folks who had been taking care of the vineyard. And when they, uh, he sent his servants, his servants were mistreated and not paid. And ultimately, the householder sends his own son. He sends his own son to collect the rent on the farm, on the vineyard, and when they see and, and see that it's the son, the husbandman, the people who are taking care of the farm, see it's the son, the man that owns the place, they uh, abuse him and they murder him. And uh, it's a terrible, tragic story. But I want to know something. Uh, there's a hint of prophecy in these parables from our Savior because when we turn to this next parable, the son of the king is alive and well. What in the world happened to the dead son? I'll tell you what happened to God's son who died on the cross. He rose again and he uh, defeated death, hell, and the grave. And we'll be certain of that. And we come to this parable of the marriage of the son. We'll begin reading in verse number 1 of chapter number 22. The Bible says, Jesus answered, and spake unto them again by parables, and said, The kingdom of heaven is likened to a certain king which made a marriage for his son, and sent forth his servants to call them that were bidden to the wedding. And they would not come. Again he sent forth other servants, saying, Tell them which are bidden, Behold, I have prepared my dinner, my oxen and my fatlings are killed, and all things are ready. Come unto the marriage. But they made light of it, and went their ways. One to his farm, another to his merchandise. And the remnant took his servants and entreated them spitefully and slew them. But when the king heard thereof, he was wroth. And he sent forth armies and destroyed those murderers and burned up their city. Then saith he to his servants, The wedding is ready, but they which were bidden were not worthy. Go ye therefore into the highways, and as many as ye shall find, bid to the marriage." So those servants went out into the highways and gathered together all as many as they found, both bad and good. And the wedding was furnished with guests. Verse 11. And when the king came in to see the guests, he saw there a man which had not on a wedding garment. And he saith unto him, Friend, how camest thou in hither not having a wedding garment? And he was speechless. Then said the king to the servants, Bind him hand and foot, and take him away, and cast him into outer darkness. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth, for many are called, but few are chosen. We come to this passage of Scripture in a fascinating uh, parable, and uh, a parable is a story. It's an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. A parable generally has one main purpose and uh, one main point. And here Jesus is using this parable to speak to a group of Jews, a group of uh, Jewish 
religious leaders, the very people that should have been leading people to uh, the fact that Jesus was the Christ, but ultimately would uh, lead in taking and and bringing Jesus to the cross and Jesus being crucified. Uh, The Bible says of Christ that he came into his own, the Jewish people, and his own received him not. And uh, so Jesus was rejected. And we come to this passage of Scripture, Jesus is bringing this message, and it would soon come to pass... Uh, these parables and the, the things that, that happened here, that he would ultimately be rejected. And there's a lot for us to learn here. Primarily, the emphasis in the beginning of this parable is to the, to the Jewish people. And when Jesus came and they were the chosen of the nation of Israel, God's chosen people, uh, they, when Jesus came to them uh, as their Messiah and their Lord and Savior, he was rejected. When he was rejected, uh, then the invitation uh, to receive Christ and as Messiah was given to the whole world, all the Gentiles, good, bad, and ugly, uh, Jews, Gentiles, all people alike. Uh, the Bible says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ or the power of God into salvation. To everyone that believeth, what's that next phrase? To the Jew first and also to the Greek. And this was God's order. And in this parable, we see that order uh, explained to us. And we see God uh, giving us insight and telling this Jewish group of Jewish religious leaders what was going to happen. It was a warning to them. I can't help but think that some of them uh, accepted and received his warning and put their trust in him as their Savior. But by and large, the Jewish people rejected Jesus as their Savior. And we come to the story and some interesting things. We have the king. The king is God the Father. The son is none other than Jesus Christ. The servant are preachers and evangelists and faithful witnesses. And as we see the story unfold, a number of things happen. Let's just work our way through it and we'll talk about the story and then we'll make our message here. Uh, Jesus is speaking in parables again. In verse number 2, the Bible says the kingdom of heaven is likened to a certain king which made a marriage for his son. And so we've got a king that's prepared a wedding. The wedding uh, in this time and a wedding feast in this time was a big deal. I want to say it was a big honking deal. Have you ever heard of a big honking deal? That's bigger than a big deal. That's a big honking. It was a big deal. And they were having this wedding and so we're putting folks in the mind of a great reception and it's not just any reception it's the reception of the son of a king is the best wedding reception you ever attended and so there's a group of folks that the expected guests had been bidden already the expected guests had already received their invitation in the mail the expected guests had already put uh, save the dates on their refrigerators the expected guests they were expecting on a, at a certain date that there would be a wedding there would be a marriage and so on this particular day everything all the pieces had come together the time had come and he sent his servants the kings and his servants out to let everybody know everything's ready come on it's time servants go and Invite the folks that were expected to come. The Bible says they wouldn't come. Verse before, when they wouldn't come, he sent his servants again and said, I've prepared the dinner, the oxen, the oxen, the fatlings are killed. All things are ready. Come to the marriage. But the Bible says that some of them made light of it. They went their own way. They one to his farm, another his merchandise, and There's a group of people who just kind of ignored it. There's another group of people who were just angry and aggravated and didn't want to do anything the king said. and They weren't about to go to that wedding. And so when the servants came to bid them again to come to the wedding, they were mad. And the Bible says that 
They entreated them spitefully in verse 6 and slew them. Verse 7, the king heard thereof. He was raw. He was very angry, upset that they had rejected his invitation. He'd rejected their invitation. Not only had, he, had they rejected his invitation, but they had committed an unpardonable sin. They had committed something that would cause them judgment and death. It's a very great picture of what happens when we reject the invitation of the Lord Jesus Christ to be our Savior. The Bible says those folks that made light, those folks that went to their ways, those folks that evilly entreated them, the Bible says they were punished. They were punished. He was wroth. He sent forth his armies, destroyed those murderers, and burned their cities. Then said he to his servants, the wedding is ready, verse number 8. But they which were bidden were not worthy. They weren't worthy. They weren't worthy to come because they wouldn't accept the invitation. Verse number 9. The king says, servants, I want you to go into the highways and as many as you shall find, bid them to the marriage. As many people as you find. Anybody you can find, you invite them to come to this marriage. It's ready. Verse 10, those servants went out into the highways and gathered together all as many as they found, both bad and good, and the wedding was furnished with guests. And what does the Lord do? The king sends his servants to let them know, let everybody, anybody, good and bad, know that they can come to the marriage, the marriage of the son. And it's so sweet because the Lord has opened it up that any person, good, bad, and ugly, can receive by faith, the Lord Jesus Christ. It's a sweet thing. In verse number 11, the story changes. We've had the invitations. We've had the, uh, the, the punishment from the scorners. We've had the punishment from the folks who rejected the invitation. But now there's an interesting thing that's happening. If you could look on this wedding feast, you go in the wedding feast, and as you come in the wedding, provided by the king was a covering. They call it a wedding garment. Provided by the king was uh, a wedding garment. You had to put it on. You had to do it the way that you were told and in order to be an accepted guest. You had to submit to the will of the king and wear the wedding garment. <laughs> but there's this one guy. The Bible says, verse 11, when the king came in to see the guest, he saw there a man which had not on a wedding garment. My first thought is the poor guy didn't have enough money to buy himself a decent wedding garment. He couldn't have enough money to put on his best wedding. No, that's not the case. The wedding garment was provided. It was a covering provided by the king. The bottom line is this guy wanted to come to the wedding, but he didn't want to do it the way the king had designed. So the Bible says in verse 12, He saith unto him, Friend, how camest thou in hither not having a wedding garment? And he was speechless. He didn't have anything to say. He didn't have any excuse. The wedding garment had been made available. The understanding was clear. You have to do what the king wants. You've got to do it God's way. He was speechless. Verse 13, a very tragic verse. Then said the king to the servants, Bind him hand and foot, take him away, and cast him into outer darkness. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. What happens? This man's punished. Why is he punished? 
because he didn't have good clothes. That's what some people want to say. That's foolish. Why was he punished? He was punished because he didn't submit to the will of the king. He was punished because he didn't cover himself in the righteousness of Jesus Christ. He was punished because he wanted to do it his way rather than God's. The Bible says in verse 14, For many are called, but few are chosen. Every person had the invitation, but not everyone accepted. Not everyone accepted. And so we come to this parable. That's the interpretation of the parable. And let me bring to you a message that hopefully won't keep you too long, but some things I hope will help you. So we consider this morning the parable of the marriage of the king's son. First thing I want to bring to your attention, number one is this, the king's provision. The king's provision. It, the emphasis of the first four verses is the fact that the king has provided for the people. In verse number two, the kingdom of heaven is likened to a certain king which made a marriage for his son. I've already mentioned to you that his son is alive in this parable. It's because he rose again. Let me remind you of something that king, our king, God did for us. He provided for us his own son. Jesus Christ is our Savior. He's our only hope. Jesus died on the cross for our sins. Jesus is God's provision, God the Father's provision for all people. Now, you know, Jesus said something. He said of himself, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Let me tell you something. That is absolute. Jesus said, I am absolutely the only possible way that you can go to heaven. Period. Now, let me tell you something. Jesus either is all that he says he is, or he's a liar. Because all through the New Testament, Jesus testifies the fact that the only way to have everlasting life and forgiveness of sin is through faith in him and him alone. And either Jesus is the Messiah, Jesus is Lord, Jesus is God, or he's a liar. Because all through the scripture, he claims to be who he is, the Savior. Jesus is the Savior. The king provided his son. He provided a meeting with his son. He provided a wedding ceremony. He provided a supper. He provided all they needed. Something interesting that the king provided. The king provided servants that would go about and invite folks to the gathering. There's an emphasis in this passage of scripture on the servants going out and inviting people to Christ. Let me tell you something. It's not just the preacher's job to tell other people about Jesus. It's all of our job to let others know that Jesus is Savior and Lord and we should be faithful witnesses. The king provided servants. The king came with patience. Something I think that's wonderful about this passage of scripture. The king sent his servants out to invite all the folks that had already received the invitation, the warning that the wedding was coming. He sent all those folks out to, he sent his servants out to invite them to the wedding and they rejected him. What did Jesus do? What did the king do? I'll tell you what the king did. The king sent his servants again. You know something wonderful? God gives us second chances. If you're here today, let me tell you something. You're here and you've rejected Jesus in the past. You've never been a time where you've been saved. You felt the conviction of the Holy Spirit before, but you would not surrender. You would not submit. Let me tell you something. God again today is giving you a chance to put your trust in him He's a God of mercy and persistence. Perhaps you've 
set out to live for him before, but you've rejected him again. I want you to know something. God's giving you another chance. You're breathing air today. You've got another chance to see God change your life. The king had provided. He provided faithfully for all the folks the king's provision. I'm so thankful that God the Father gave us his only son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. God's provided for us. God's provided the opportunity for us to be the bride of Christ. Oh, it's sweet. The king provided. But I want you to look at next, number two, the refusal. This is where we'll park and spend the most of our time. The refusal. So the invitation comes, goes out, and it goes out clear. But there's a refusal. Look at what the Bible says in verse number five. After the servants went and said, it's time. The marriage... Feast is prepared. It's time. It's ready. The servants came out and made the invitation. The Bible says in verse 5, but they made light of it, the refusal. Let me talk to you for a few minutes about that, the refusal. Do you know that Jesus Christ is only Savior? Jesus, and by submitting to him and trusting in Christ to be your Savior, is the only way you can have everlasting life. Coming to the place where you know you're a sinner and Jesus died on the cross for your sins and asking the Lord to forgive you and be your Savior. That's the only way you can go to heaven. If I knew another way, I would tell you. If I thought somehow that you could faithfully attend or give a certain amount, then I would preach that instead of the gospel that the Bible teaches us. The bottom line is there's only one way to heaven. You've got to come through Christ. And these folks refused it. Now, they refused for different reasons. The invitation was come, come, come to the marriage of the son. Come to the son, ultimately. But they began to refuse it. The first group of people, they made light of it. Now, I want you to know something. If we were to look at these people today and we saw these, this group of people, we'd say, you know, they're, they're okay, you know. They're decent people. But they just, they're just not very spiritual. They're not the church going tight. Now, I want you to know something. If you want to know the honest truth, I'm not the church going tight. It's a fact. I'm not. I'd much rather have on a pair of boots and a pair of blue jeans and a t-shirt and be driving something with a diesel motor on it than be preaching today. I like that kind of stuff. I'm not the church going tight. I like my hands dirty. I like to dig into stuff and do things that are rough. I'm just not the church going tight. But let me tell you something. That's no excuse not to put Jesus first in my life. Now, we'd look at this group of people, they'd made light of it. They'd be like, hey, look. I'm just not the church going kind of guy. I don't do weddings. They made light of it. They said, yeah, I don't want to deal with that. I don't want to do that. I don't want to. They made light of it. Folks, let me tell you something. You should never make light of the Lord Jesus Christ. Look, he needs to be first in your life. Everything in your world needs to revolve around the fact that Jesus is God and Jesus is Savior. And obeying him is key to living life. Let me tell you something. God is not going to probably call you to be the next preacher at the Charlie Baptist Church. He's probably not going to send you to a mission field. He probably won't even change your profession. But I'll tell you something. If you'll do what God's given you to do and put Jesus first and stop making light of Christ, it'll change your life. It'll be good and right. This group of people, they just made light of it. 
They ignored the gospel. They ignored Christ. They ignored the message. They made light of it. Look what else it says. Verse 5, they made light of it and went their ways. And went their ways. What, what was their emphasis? Their, their emphasis was their ways. Look, I just want to do things my way. Guess what? We all want to do things our way. But when you do things your way and leave God out, you're going to find out that you're going to make big, fat messes along the way. As a matter of fact, another theological opportunity to use this big word. You're going to make big, honking messes out of all your... You're going to make a big mess. When you leave God out, they went their way. They went their way. Now look, God puts in your heart great things. When God is first and you go God's way, you're going to find out your way and God's way combined is really awesome. It's right. They went their way. They rejected the Savior. They weren't bad. Look, they weren't causing a stink. They weren't making a fight. They went their way. It says one to his farm, another to his merchandise. Now, look, the, the one, the farm, it, it points to this idea that this, these folks, they were just mainly interested in their living, the way they earned a living. They were just mainly interested in, in doing what they have to do. This is what I do if I were to ask you, so what do you do for a living? And you could say whatever it is. And in this situation, these folks, instead of going to the marriage, instead of going the way, instead of giving time to God, instead of giving time to Christ, instead of ultimately, the main point is, instead of receiving Jesus by faith as Savior, they just go about their living. I'm just minding my own business. I just want to make a living. I just want to do my thing. Some of them went to their farms. The Bible says others went to their merchandise. So you have a group of people that their emphasis was making their living, earning their living. The other group of people, they'd already earned their living and they were just enjoying what they had earned. And there's nothing wrong with earning and enjoying what you've earned. Let me tell you something. If you take things and your living and your profession and you leave God out, you're going to miss out on the best that God has for you. These folks weren't bad people, but let me tell you what they did. They rejected the Son. They rejected the Son. And when you reject the Son, you'll suffer the punishment of your own sins because it's the Son that forgives your sins. These were good people. By our standard, good people. But look what else the Bible says. So you have this group of people that made light of it. They went their own ways to their farms, to their merchandise. Verse 6, And the remnant took his servants and entreated them spitefully and slew them. Now look at the rest of these guys. These guys are mean. Have you ever been around somebody that's just mean? I remember as a teenager going out on bus visitation here, and I went and knocked on a guy's door. I'd actually, uh, it's kind of funny, I still remember the, the kid's name. And uh, I remember I knocked on their door, and the kid had come to church, and uh, it was great. And the next week, I went and knocked on the same door, and somehow Dad, who was really mean, uh, had found out that the kid had gone to church, and he didn't like it. I'll never forget it. I knocked on the door. I'm just a teenager. I knocked on the door, and this guy came out, and he was, you could, he had an angry look on his face. Now, this is honest truth. He had the meanest look on his face you've ever seen. He opened the door. He had a cigarette hanging out of his ear, lit, smoking. And he comes out the door, growls at me. And uh, 
I said, we're here to pick up. Oh, no, you're not. Don't you ever come back. And he had warning signs on his, uh, on his windows the next week. And uh, church people are, had all kinds of bad things about us. And he was just flat mean. I, man, all I was wanting to do was be a blessing. And he was mean with a cigarette hanging out of his ear lit. <laughs> I ran into him later at the laundromat one day. I was scared to death, that old man. He scared me to death. I was like, oh, i got to stay away from him. Mean. Now, I'll tell you, the next group of people, when the servants went and said, hey, look, he's, the king said, please come. You, 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 you've been invited already, but please come. And they got mad about it. And the Bible says that they literally murdered the king's servants, because they were just mad because they didn't want to hear from the king and the king's son, all this marriage stuff. Now, there's some people, you tell them about Jesus, that Jesus is Lord and Savior, and they get plumb nasty and mean about it. Now, in my way of thinking, I think this group of people is far worse than that group of people. I'll just tell you something, this group of people is a lot easier to deal with. They're a lot more fun to be around. But in God's perspective, you know what he thinks? Both groups of people rejected the son. And both groups of people will suffer punishment. It's what the scripture says. The Bible tells us in verse number 13. I'm sorry. Uh, verse number 7. But when the king heard thereof, he was wroth. And he sent forth his armors and destroyed those armies and destroyed those murderers and burned up their city. Then saith he to his servants, the wedding is ready, but they which were bidden were not worthy. What does Jesus say about, what does God's word say about these folks? God's word says that they were not worthy. Why were they not worthy? They weren't good enough to please God. He's too big for his bread. No, they weren't worthy because we're all sinners. And our sin must be covered by Christ in the blood of Jesus. That's the message of the gospel. You have to have a Savior. Amen. Guilty. Guilty. He said they're not worthy. In mercy, two times he's sent servants to come, come, come to the Son. But they rejected him. And all their reasons, good, bad, and ugly, boiled down to one thing. Because they would not accept Christ, they're not worthy. I've tried to live my life for God's glory, but let me tell you something. Every religious effort I've ever made is insufficient. I must have Christ in order to have worthiness before God. I've got to be saved by grace through faith in Jesus and Jesus alone. The next person that was invited, it's another interesting character. you got this group of people, they, they're just too busy. They, they're doing their thing. This group of people, they're nasty and mean. But then there's this one guy, the one guy that goes to the marriage. And when you walk in the marriage supper, you know there's that one guy. He likes to be with the people at the marriage. He likes the food at the marriage. He likes the company. He likes to sing the songs and He's even the kind of guy that likes to hear the old half-wit preacher preach a Bible message every now and then. He's the kind of guy that just wants to be around. But when the king walks in, he says, whoa, hey, come here, man. Come here, friend. He says, friend, because that's the truth. He says, come here, friend. Friend, where's your wedding garment? And the guy's like, <laughs> he's speechless. He didn't have anything to say. 
We could fill in the blanks. Eh, I don't want to be. I mean, I like going to church and I like being around those people. But, eh, I, don't, I don't think I'm going to do it just exactly the way the Bible says. You know, some folks have this idea that somehow they can make up their own gospel. They can make up their own faith. Let me tell you something. If you choose to make up your own faith, you're going to make a terrible mistake. Our authority for life and death and eternity must be God's word. It must be God's word. And Jesus, he's looking at this group of Jewish religious leaders. He's like, listen, guys, I love you. I'm coming to save you. I want you to do the best. And some of you are going to be nice and just busy. Some of you are going to be mean and ultimately send me to the cross. Some of you are just going to think you can just do whatever you want to. But that's not how it works. All of us need to be saved. The Bible says, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And what did they all do? They all refused the gospel. And because they all refused the gospel, they all suffered punishment. The same guy that sat among all the other people and enjoyed all the food and enjoyed all the fellowship, it's just like attending church and never trusting Christ. The same person that sat in church week after week but never received the gospel Never came to the place where they were willing to humble themselves and ask Jesus to save them. Never came to the place where they were willing to let folks know that they're Christians. Never came to the place where they were willing to follow the Lord in baptism. Never came to the place where they were submissive to God and God's Word. That person that we all love, that person, I want you to see what God did. The Bible says in verse number 13, Then said the king to the servants, Bind him hand and foot, take him away, cast him in outer darkness. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. I don't love that verse. If you want to know the truth, I don't like it. But it's so right and so true. You see, it's not fellowship among believers that saves your hell-deserving soul. It's not being nice as opposed to being mean and nasty and rejecting the guy. It's not just, you know, I'm not very spiritual. Those things, those excuses are excuses and that's all. You refuse the gospel when you say, I don't have to do it God's way. What does Jesus say? Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. What does God's word say? God's word says that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. You're a sinner. And your sin demands punishment. The Bible says the wages of sin is death. It's a fact. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. You see, God's way is we must accept the fact that Jesus Christ, the sinless Son of God, took our sin on himself and was the ultimate sacrifice for the sins of the whole world and ours individually. The Bible says with the heart man believes. Do you believe that Jesus died on the cross for your sins? With the heart man believes unto righteousness with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Has there ever been a time where you just stopped and said, Lord, I'm a sinner 
I'm trusting in you and you alone for my soul salvation. Be my Savior. Be my Lord. Help me to live for you. If you've never been saved, folks, I don't care how many times you sit with us. We love having you. But you weren't willing to submit to the will of God the King. Oh, I pray you'll be saved. I pray you'll be saved. Beautiful thing happens. When the two calls from the servants of the king to come to the marriage feast were rejected, refused. And the Lord sent his servants. Go ye, verse 9, into the highways, as many as ye shall find, bid to the marriage. So those servants went out into the highways and gathered together all as many as they found, both good, both bad and good, and the wedding was furnished with guests. What happened? I'll tell you what happened. The Lord opened the opportunity for any person to come to the wedding, to come to the Son. You know what's exciting to me? You may be here today and say, I'd like to be saved, but I've been so bad you have no idea. You've never been so bad that God won't forgive you. You've never been so bad that... The love of Christ cannot cover your sin and the penalty and the punishment of your sin. All. He sent a message that you let all people, good and bad, know that they can come to the Son. Oh, I pray if you're here today, you'll welcome this invitation from the Lord and you'll come to Jesus. Oh, come to Christ. Put your trust in Him. He loves you. He died on the cross for your sins. And you need to personally receive him by faith as your Savior. Oh, what a Savior. Don't excuse yourself away as good. Don't excuse yourself away as faithful. Don't excuse yourself away as too dirty, rotten, and mean to get saved. You welcome the invitation to come to Jesus. And the Lord Jesus will save your soul. Let's pray.